0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Unaware Podcast with Bee Physiology.
1: So sit back and enjoy this episode of Bee Stories, where we get to chat with Emma about her journey after a spinal cord injury and navigating different stages of her rehabilitation. Emma, thank you so much for joining us today on uh, Bee Physiology's podcast, the Unaware Podcast. First question we ask, every person that comes in this studio, can we call it a studio, I'm going to call it a studio. Yeah. What do you think of this energy, by the way?
0: It's oh, big, look, right?
2: it's, it matches the Flash studio. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I'm feeling pumped. Who needs a coffee? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Coffee yeah.
1: is inbound. But first question is, <gasps> what would the name of your autobiography be?
2: That's challenging.
1: Is you that know, the name?
2: The Only Way Is Up <laughs> is one. But that, to me, mm-hmm. is a bit of a reset phrase because I've gone down so many times I have to tell myself again, the only way is up. Um, yeah. Um, wow. On every day, that's a different, that's a different autobiography because mm. it depends on how, how strongly I can beat the challenges.
1: Nice. Mm. So a daily... The only way is up.
2: There is more than a daily. The only way is
1: up. An hourly.
2: Well, it depends. If I'm in the middle of a B physiology exercise regime, it's by the minute.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. We're going to edit like that like a out. a compliment. We're I'm going to take that.
2: that
0: positively. Yeah. He's right. Every minute with us is just improvement. The faster I get up and stay up, the sooner I can leave these guys.
1: High energy. That's what we're after. Well, the only way is up. Okay. Seems a little bit somber. And a little bit um, it's challenging. Not when you, it's
2: not when you're sitting on the ground because you've just fallen out of your wheelchair again.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, Fair. Okay, the only way is up?
2: Yes. It's good. Is one. There's many. Okay. But that, that was, that's one that first comes to mind.
1: We can unearth a couple more. Okay. Throughout really? the discussion okay. maybe. We'll try and do that. If we're that good. <laughs> Probably not. We'll see. Uh, can you give us a little background of your life? Uh, just, yeah, background of your life. Wow. Uh, you know. Is this
2: the elevator spiel or because they like they no, to no, my you, life into an elevator
1: spiel? Let's just say you're in the elevator for a while. You're stuck in it. So <laughs> you're stuck <laughs> and you're stuck with us. So uh, very lucky.
2: Wow. My superpowers would come through and I'd be up through the manhole <laughs> scaling the cables. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, born and bred PNG. So I had a pretty amazing life where... Playing in stormwater drains and friends with crocodile farms and all sorts of things was pretty good. We lived in the bush for a while, um, which was very remote, so freedom was incredible. I think uh, lack of shoes was a very key part of that Mm. and living on the beach, so you'd walk down the front stairs and you'd be in the ocean, so there was a lot of water life and I learned to scuba dive when I was 11, so there's been a lot of underwater journeys in my life. Um, I was a dive instructor for a while after school
1: best diving in the world in png yeah it?
2: it's amazing one of my favorite dive is spots really? is up there yeah so there's a dive spot called submarine base which was a submarine base in world war ii where they used to hide the submarines in the wall of the cliffs underwater and it's um wow. you know 104 meters is not the bottom of that wall and the fish swim vertically And then when you fin out from the wall, it's just this big blue and every now and again a turtle will come past or a shark will come past and it's just, it's incredible.
0: It sounds cool. The yeah. shark thing has got me less keen than the start of that speech, but... It's
2: not as scary as a crocodile.
1: Yeah, yeah I can yeah, imagine. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, yeah, so after New Guinea, I did a little bit of travelling. I worked in Sri Lanka for a little while. Um, did a lot of great stuff without a lot of money for scuba diving. coffee for you, by the way, Emma. Thank you so much. Huh? Thank you. It's pretty lumpy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Inside um, joke. Inside joke. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I... Um, Had the ultimate surprise and, well, one of the many surprises of my life and found out that I was pretty pregnant.
0: Um, (laughs) Pretty pregnant? Pretty
2: pregnant, like 19 and a half weeks. Right. And went into hiding and um, my family found out. My mum was the first one to find out when Freeman was two weeks old Uh because I was not keeping him. You know, I was a dive instructor. It's not a life for a person with a child Mm -hmm. and um, it's a life for somebody who's, you know, living a lot of fun. Mm. So I just didn't think I could be a mum to him for his own sake. And he probably agrees with me still. (laughs) I was going to give him up. Um, Yeah, so after that, I moved back to New Guinea because I recognised that it was easier to do it with my parents than on my own. And Freeman had the best life for that five years that we were up there. But then two volcanoes erupted and destroyed our town. So we had a lot of refugees living with us and we had... No food, no police, no army, no just nothing. And I was trying to finish a law degree at the time, which just went to Cactus because there was no postage, no phones, no law library. And I didn't really like the degree anyway. I was going to um, say
0: diving instructor and a, a lawyer is yeah. like a, a bit of a mix. Yeah, it is a bit
2: of a mix, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can tell you one, one's fun and one's not.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. But, we'll leave that to the viewers. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. That's my personal opinion. But I came down here and I got into the IT world for 15 years or so. And I was, you know, I got married and Freeman was growing up and I was a CrossFit junkie and I did a lot of diving and had a pretty good life. And then um, 2013, I was at a friend's for lunch and I, yeah, fell off the deck and died and um, spent six months in very two different hospitals and was basically meant to be a bedridden vegetable with tubes and I'm still doing a lot of work to prove them wrong. My, my aim is to get out of my chair. So... You know, June 2013, I lost my legs temporarily. It's a very big temporarily, but it is temporary. Um, Then when I got out of hospital, my dad died a month after that, so I was back in there looking after him. And then after that, I... um, Fell out of my wheelchair and broke my hip and spent six weeks in hospital. I've had a couple of bouts in hospital for spasticity and hypertonicity. I've done, you know, all sorts of trials with Botox, um, serial casting, all that stuff. Um, Had a pretty nasty divorce and now I'm two years post that and life is pretty good.
1: That was such a wrap-up of your life (laughs) just
2: then. It's a big life.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to delve into little parts of that now. So just to take you back. Yes. Had the injury. Yes. Went to hospital. You said you went to two different hospitals. Yes. What's the process like? What was your process like of the hospital system? What was it like to you?
2: Okay, so we've got to understand that I died and I had to get brought back to life.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: They kept me in... And induced coma for two weeks. Because, you,
0: sorry, do you remember? The so injury this is at all? this. So
2: this is the thing too that we need to understand is that my injury was in June, when I came. where my memory doesn't really start until October, because my brain injury really impacted my memory. Um, and I remember saying, "Man, I really hope something good happened in the first half of the year, because the second half's been pretty awful." And I don't remember. We flooded don't remember it Mm. um some other really big events happened in the first half of the year that i just have no memory of so i don't you know for me to say i died doesn't mean anything to me really because it's a it it, for me to comprehend how big that trauma was it's hard because i just i don't remember it i don't have any memory of that experience i'm sure my system does but i don't Mm. um so so it doesn't have it doesn't have that effect on me when i say it Right. And so I spent two weeks in, in in a coma because they weren't going to do my back surgery because my brain injury was so – the swelling was so severe. And I'm getting all of this secondhand. And some of it took years for me to learn because we just didn't talk about it. Um, so I did that. Then my big toe moved, so they did my back surgery. And I was in the RBH for a month. Apparently I was a bit angry. What? Apparently I was in restraints because I kept ripping all the tubes out because I didn't need them.
1: Is that true, Mum?
2: Apparently, um, the nurses had me in my own room, but they had to move me close to the nurse's station because I kept going downstairs at RBH to the coffee shop to have coffee with all my friends. I didn't have any friends at the RBH. (laughs) I was just bored and angry. And the nurses were worried that my new friends would take the drip out and take the toxic drug bag and ping off and have a great time with it.
1: Yeah, right.
2: So they put me in the bed closest to the thing and I kept sneaking into the elevator and down the stairs to go and have coffee with my friends.
0: And you were getting
1: away with it.
2: Yeah. Good on you. Oh, look, I was yeah, I was bored. Yeah.
1: You probably made a few friends. I
2: might have. I don't yeah. know. I don't, don't remember. can't remember. I don't remember. You'd... And then I went to acute in the spinal ward at the PA because I had post-traumatic amnesia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in acute for a month and then I went to, into the general ward and I left that at the end of November.
1: What's that process like of the actual medical side of things.
2: The PA spinal unit needs an upgrade. Okay. You know, the benches are not at spinal height. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to use knives. So you can't get you it, it's so underfunded and overworked and understaffed that it's really hard for the hospital to give anybody the skill set to do anything but go home and get ready for the spot care team and get ready for everybody else to teach them how to live their lives in a mm-hmm. wheelchair. Yeah, because right. they just don't—they don't have the capacity.
0: What are some of the most immediate or like instantly recognisable things where you felt like you weren't up to scratch coming out of hospital?
2: I really didn't know how to use my. So I'm scripting a wheelchair to use for the next five years minimum because there was no NDIS then. So I'm scripting this wheelchair to live in a world that I didn't. I that is completely different to me. You know, all of my friends have got Queenslanders. We live in Queensland. My my driveway is on a bit of a slope, so yeah. I've got nine thousand dollars worth of paint damage to the side of my car we weren't prepped for any of that, any of it, Mm. because they just don't have capacity. No one knows what... Everyone's life is so different. Mm. It's very hard for them to give you the skill set to go back and and slot back into the world because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to slot back into the world and have as little impact on people as possible. And you can't. When your whole world's been turned upside down, you can't have no impact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Your So when you say, you know you you you've come out of the hospital, um, but was there any particular um. professionals <laughs> like? <laughs> <laughs> was there any particular professionals that you remember playing a hand in your recovery or anything like that? Anyone that stands out? But obviously, memory is going to be an issue. Yeah. But
2: Do you know what what right, what is really interesting to me is that there has been nothing with the brain injury unit since I've left hospital.
1: So no nothing. checking in. No. Nothing nothing and I've dodged though. a
2: massive bullet with my brain injury mm-hmm. considering how severe it was I, memory is really the only thing memory mm-hmm. and my sense of smell are the two things that I really recognise as being um, a, 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 a affecting me and this
0: is memory after the fact now so like my, things happening after the injury I can't that you read still a book struggled. yeah okay
2: I can read a book and I can read it again and again and again I can see a movie that and that sounds time, great I, I've
0: dreamed of that well
2: I've I really struggled to read because every time I pick up the book it's okay I've got to go back a few pages and yeah. I've got to work out what the hell I was reading. Mm. So I'm going from reading three to four books a week to really struggling with reading. I struggle with movies. I'll go and watch a movie and I, by, the, by the time I get home, I could watch that again because I don't remember how it ended. Mm. So, and it's very hit and miss. It's, it's a bit random, my memory. Um, but in the unit, mm. I was sneaking out three times a week to go and see a Bowen therapist. I was going out once or twice a week to go to My Turn Rehabilitation and Jenny and Holly at My Turn were exceptional. Uh,
1: Yeah, I know Jenny. And it was was
2: in an environment where they they worked with people it was it was the, where I had the experience of working in a community that was trying to make people better than the wheelchair, mm. better than the ailment, better than the trauma, better than the disability, and get them into a better start, like quality of life and get them moving forward rather than stagnating at the hospital. There was a lot of stagnating and, and Nick Heffernan was my physio at the hospital and he was great; he was a lot of energy and a lot of entertainment but you know, you're in this tiny little physio room with with a lot of people. They wouldn't let you really go in and work on your own because they just didn't have room. The hydrotherapy wasn't really used because they just didn't have capacity.
0: Is it fair or unfair to say that, like, you speak about my turn and how great that was? And yeah. Obviously, that's setting you up for bigger things. But is the role of, what, of the people who are working with you in the hospital essentially just try to set you up for that point and be able to go onwards? Like, is it fair to put the responsibility of developing all of those skills and whatnot on the hospital itself or could you say that it's more their job just to like get you to a point of them being able to build external to the hospital
2: i think it's very very difficult for a public hospital system and a small component of a public hospital mm. system that is the only channel for spinal injury in queensland yep. if they want to if they want to be recognised for funding. They have to go through the spinal unit. And I mean, you guys know, and I think most people do know that just because you're in a wheelchair, that doesn't mean anybody understands what's wrong with you. There are so many different reasons to be in a wheelchair. I know a guy who's got PTSD. There is nothing physically wrong with him, but his legs, anything below his waist just does not work Mm. because he's so scarred from his experiences. Mm. So how does a staff in a small environment in a public hospital prep every individual person to go out and do whatever their every individual goals are and guess what those goals change like mm. my goal to go home and try and be in that life that I had before well, like you can't go back once you end up in a wheelchair you can you know you can't go back anyway it's already happened you've got to go forward and it's very hard for a hospital to get every person ready to go forward.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the fact that your memory was obviously affected made it uh, maybe delayed your ability to get to that mindset of being like you can't go back and you've got to move forward? Does that, that hinder it at all when you're sort of it's jumping back? It's not my back? memory
2: that's, crea- that's, that's had an influence on that journey. It's yeah. the journey itself, you know, recognising. It's, it's, it's really traumatic to go back into a world and recognise that it's not your world anymore, that you need to find a new world. And that takes a long time. That's taken me years mm. To come to that realisation. Because there's been a lot of effort put into trying to be in that world and trying not to be need trying not to need help.
1: On that point, how did you find people? So after you've left the hospital, mm-hmm. you've done this initial rehab stuff, you've you've now, as you said, trying to find your way in a world that you are actually not accustomed to at all. Mm-hmm. How do you find people adapted to you? Coming yeah. out of the hospital. The,
2: none of the problem was how people adapted to me. The problem was me. Okay. And what I wanted, how I wanted people to adapt to me and how I, how I wanted people to not have to adapt to me. Yes. So when I, you know, in hospital I had the bubble of going to physio so often that I got kicked out hmm. because I just, I was, just I was yeah. relentless. I'm one of those. <laughs> and while I'm going to physio in the hospital and I'm also doing the external stuff. So there's my bubble, right? And then I leave hospital and I find the my turn bubble. So I'm going to my turn four or five times a week. Mm-hmm. And that's, my, that's, that's where I, I don't, I, you know, I'm so busy focusing on my journey of learning to walk and my legs are going to work no matter what that I don't think about everything else. And then the my turn bubble kind of comes to an end because I find neurophysics. So I do that for two years. So I'm traveling to Rubina five days a week to work at least two hours in the gym. Because that's another bubble for me, yep. and then after neurophysics, I find the making strides bubble, mm-hmm. and I live in that bubble for a little while, and that's where things started diluting a bit for me because okay. it, I started realising because I'd go to making strides and I'd go to Talabardra Creek in the morning, and I'd hang out with all the tally tragics. and they're tragic because they swim through winter, <laughs> but it's tra- and, you know Insane. the eighty-seven-year-old runs marathons, <laughs> he runs the Boston Marathon, they're completely mad. Mm. Um, but, the, you know, someone would carry me down to the water, I'd have a swim, and they'd carry me back up. And my joy of being in the ocean overrode my discomfort of being carried by strangers yeah. or, you know, Matty, what's his, the Matty, the rugby league player, Matty Jones? Jones? Is Maddie he the really fit, tattooed? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I think I'm Matty Rogers. Matty Rogers.
2: Rogers. So his fitness group goes down there and they're carrying me down. The Gold Coast Suns carries me down. A 78-year-old bloke finally convinces me that he can carry me down and he does. I can do it, Emma.
1: Put me in. There's uh, no one else here. You know, we're (laughs) we're in the water and he says,
2: so how do you swim? And I went, well, I use pull stroke because I can't use my legs. Mm. And he goes, oh, so do I because I've got to save my legs for rugby training.
1: The right. 78-year-old said that. What
2: sort of rugby training? He says, I play rugby league. And I said, oh, my son plays Union, but he's just had his cheek reconstructed. Yeah, that happened to me a couple of years ago.
1: Okay. And
2: you're still playing rugby league. Were you league. kind of looking
1: at the future? No, you can
2: carry me down the beach anytime. <laughs> 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 but but I, can't, I can't do that anymore. I, can't, I can get driven down by the lifeguards. But, but not being able to get on the sand and go to the beach has hit me harder now than it did four years ago when I was being carried down.
1: Okay. Yeah, right. So, and do you still get get down to the telebudger a bit?
2: Not very often.
1: How about the coast in general?
2: Not very often at okay. all.
0: And you were doing a lot of that for like different uh, parts of your rehab. I was and, kind of making
2: strides. On and I mean. that was
0: before the NDIS, did you say? or
2: NDIS kind of started. So I did making strides for a couple of years. It ended with COVID because Alex moved to San Diego.
1: Gotcha. And Alex is an EP. Yeah. Yeah. Who <laughs> a friend. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. A good bloke. Yeah. Um, an
2: amazing chef and an EP yeah. and he's intelligent and he's...
1: Stop describing yeah. me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's...
2: Yeah. And he never says arm um, and he never says like and he never says, if I was being honest...
0: Hey, I've love. never met him, therefore he does not exist. <laughs> so it sounds like a fantasy. Yeah.
1: So that being said, you're, you're one of probably the most active people I know full stop. Okay. So you are always doing things. Yes. You're always looking for something to do, uh, finding a group to maybe join. Yes. uh, This, that. So obviously after having an injury and you were like that before your injury anyway, Mm -hmm. do you think?
2: Yeah. But there was a lot more social activity because, you know, I was a lot more social. I instigated a lot more social activity because that was what I enjoyed and I still enjoy it. But now it's just too hard because there's so many other things I have to consider. Mm-hmm. That yeah, it's very it's very hard for me to instigate that.
1: Can we go into that tiny bit deeper? What kind of things would uh, deter you from attending more social activities nowadays?
2: Accessibility?
1: Yeah, okay.
2: Being able to go to the bathroom? Yep. The thing about being in a wheelchair is and and you don't really realize it unless you think about it, but you are constantly being looked down on Mm. because you are constantly lower than everybody else. You know, I came across a couple of friends the other day who were sitting in a park having a picnic with their dog. And I was like, wow, I really like sitting here talking to you. I'm looking down at you. It's a really, it's a really unique kind of thing. (laughs) So not only are you always being looked down on, but if you're talking to somebody without craning your neck, you're looking at a crotch. Mm. Not the best view. No. And if you detract yourself from the crotch and you look up at the person, you're looking up at their nostrils.
0: I tend to aim for the crotch with my eyes. Well, I know,
2: but (laughs) I'm a female. I don't do that. I like to think (laughs) about engaging the upper brain, not the lower (laughs) brain.
1: Oh, we have upper brains (laughs) I do. Crazy. (laughs) So what kind of recommendations for, because you have been try like you branch out and you try different things mm-hmm. all the time what kind of re- recommendations do you have for people who using chairs not using chairs I think uh, I think it's really
2: important to rock your system
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think it's really important to go out and try things and be a little bit scared mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a wheelchair thing I think that's a, that's a life thing I think you have to constantly challenge yourself and the thing about being in a wheelchair much as I hate it I'm also incredibly grateful for it and the thing about being in it is that It's not hard to find something to challenge me. You know, I go horseback riding and I go horseback riding on a horse where I get thrown on like a sack of potatoes and I slide off with almost as much grace (laughs) and I've been bucked. Because the horse I was riding oh. had colic. And I, that's post-accident that I've been bucked. I've been bucked a lot before. It's amazing how long I've been trying to get in a wheelchair. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, and, and that was really scary. But I got straight back on the horse and kept riding.
0: Was that the first hobby that you took on? Or, like, what was the first hobby that you said you got to push yourself beyond the point of being scared and, like...
2: I think horse riding was the first one. Really?
0: That's scuba a diving. brave one. So scuba
2: diving was the second one. That, that was hilarious because I did the seaway at the Gold Coast. And, you know, before my accident, I was a sinker. I didn't need to to use a weight belt in New Guinea. When you put a wetsuit on, you have to. Um, So we go to the Gold Coast Seaway and we get all kitted up and I walk up the 13 stairs and walk down the 13 stairs and scoot my backside on the concrete, get in the water and we get to the descent line and my legs won't go down. So I throw my fins in, still won't go down. Throw my booties in, still won't go down. So I wrap my legs around the descent line and go down. I think I saw one fish. Because every single time I wrapped my legs around the descent line, my dive buddy thought, "Oh my God, there's something wrong." So she'd untangle them. Ka-dunk. So I'd yeah, wrap right. them around the descent <laughs> line, and she'd untangle them. We were laughing so much by the end of it, we couldn't dive anymore. <laughs> we just we just had no air left.
1: And that was your first attempt. That was at my diving. first attempt.
2: But now I dive with a guy on the Tweed, mm-hmm. and he is the one who has managed to help me get horizontal. And because it's Cook Island, you can use scooters underwater, so oh, I don't have to okay. try and swim. So because yes. I'm not using my legs, I'm not. You know, I'm not, I'm not losing a lot of air.
1: Right. Is, what's, what's the technical side of keeping your legs down? What, what did you just put? I weight them. Weight them. I weight, weight them. them on, yeah. and then... Where Whereabouts
0: do you weight them? On my ankles. Yeah,
1: right. And so you've obviously figured out the perfect amount of weight for you. No,
0: I have not. I
1: would oh, say, yeah. do you have to
0: weigh I would so then like have like just below the hips as well. I've got so weights know, in my dislike. I've got
2: weights in my vest and I've got weights around my ankle, and I haven't worked that out at all. My dive guy has. Oh, okay, Pete's right. a champion. Does sound Pirate funny. Pirate Pete is a champion. Pirate Pete, yeah. Okay. And the first time I went diving with Pete, I took two other guys in wheelchairs, mm-hmm. and a guy with cystic fibrosis. Wow! And we had the best time. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Would you like to give our Pete's information or you don't want to blow oh, up his tweed, spot? Oh, Tweed
2: Sports, Pete, Pirate Pete at Tweed Seasports is exceptional. Pirate Pete. Pirate, Pirate Pete. Pete. Great and name. he's also you know, he's done a lot of work with Sea Shepherd. Mm. He's, he's, he's an exceptional man.
1: Yeah, awesome. Mm. And is that something that you feel that you are going to continue to do? Yes. Yep.
2: Absolutely. Diving's
1: always going to be a part of yep. who you are.
2: Yep. Yep. Hmm.
1: How many times have you gone out with Pete?
2: Well, he's on the Tweed and we've had COVID.
1: Right, so recently not recently not,
2: but I'll be going out in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Hmm.
0: So when was the last time you've been diving?
2: Last year, I've been diving. at This yeah, we couldn't.
1: Hard to. You can't go to the. You know.
2: Yeah, I can't swim from Queensland around to New South Wales because there's sharks at Cook Island. It's a breeding ground. It's a sanctuary. Mm. Okay, they're not very aggressive sharks, but it's still it's a big swim.
1: That's off a finger, right? (laughs) Cook Island, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a big swim.
0: Is yep. that still the most, like, one of the most cathartic things that you can do, getting into the ocean?
2: It feeds my soul in a way that nothing else does. Mm. But, you know, I've got a friend who lives at Stanthorpe, and I go down there and I get on the quad bike on my own and I ride around standing up, and my dog runs beside me. I even saw a quoll in the paddock in Stanthorpe, and that, that is incredibly liberating because What's I'm. What is a quoll? Yeah. It's a native cat kind of. Oh! Creature. We have
1: native cats in Australia.
2: The quolls are natives. They're oh, okay. not a cat, but they kind of look like a cat.
1: Okay.
0: With a
2: kind of foxtail and a kind of AG, bunny rabbit face. Ah, uh, I'm
0: not connected. <laughs>
2: yeah. They're quite rare, <laughs> and they're quite aggressive. But not oh, when you're really? chasing it. Sure not when this you're chasing quoll? it with a quad. The was... quad beats the qual. Uh,
0: oh,
1: I ran sure,
2: away. So. Surely, yeah. ran yeah. that a few
1: times. So it's a scary cat. And- <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice, no, man. it was a scaredy quoll. <laughs> a scaredy
1: quoll, and uh, Kimber, your cattle dog, your she's border, a border collie, collie. She didn't try and get the quoll. She was for running you. beside me. Okay, yeah. Did she see it? No. Didn't get a hold of it.
2: No. Okay.
1: Good. No, she she probably
2: would have come off second best. So yeah, it's a probably. good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. so that's another activity you've got down: quad biking. Let's quickly move to horse riding. Mm. What uh, you know? How do you go about horse riding? Obviously, you get thrown up like a sack of potatoes, like you said. Yep. But what's the process there? How I don't do you stay have any. On? I don't
2: have any straps or anything. I just stay on. Sometimes my legs aren't in the stirrups. Sometimes they are. And before I broke my hip, I was doing standing trotting.
1: Wow. Mm. That's fantastic. Yeah.
2: Now I can do sit trot. Um, but, yeah, it's, sit trot's about as far as i got. I never – I really want to get Wait, to canter.
1: Standing
0: comes before sitting?
2: Sit trot is when you don't – you engage your legs. You just pop along oh, while no, it's gotcha. trotting. Saddle. Whereas standing trotting, you, st- you you go up in rhythm to the trot.
1: All right, gotcha. Um,
2: and cantering, I haven't cracked yet.
1: Is that walking sideways?
2: Cantering is running. Oh, okay. It's not a. It's it's not a gallop. Horses. It's a run. <laughs> cantering is jogging before the bolting.
1: Oh, okay. Cantering right.
0: is like they're really pretty well looking trotting run. is
2: jogging. Cantering is running, and then galloping is galloping. What's
1: gallivanting?
2: Galloping. You,
1: but what's gallivanting, mate? Because that's what I do. Yes, I know. <laughs> gallivanting is Harry. That's what that is. That's his. Ha- that, that's you. So quad biking and horse riding mm-hmm. similar? Oh no no!
2: No! 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 Quad bike goes, right. you've got control and of the power. course, he goes,
1: nay, nay. Well, <laughs> well, you are so
2: smart. Can you hear me dripping with sincerity there? Yeah, yeah I can, yeah. I can, yeah. Quad biking, you control the Bring power.
1: Bring me a towel, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> go on. It's just because the aircon is on. I know, the, the aircon is horrible in here yeah. at the moment. But, yeah, go on.
2: Quad bike, you control the power no matter what? Horse? Not necessarily. Mm. You've got to have a bond with the horse in order to have some kind of control, some mm. kind of partnership going. You don't need that with a quad.
1: Yeah, right. And you said you got bucked off a horse several times before. Oh, yeah. You got bucked off one time. Oh, yeah.
2: Bareback uh, riding.
1: Okay. And Probably
2: every third bounce on the ground. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that was when I had legs with grip. Right. He was quite a fat horse. <laughs> Okay. And he wasn't really a horse and his name was Court Pot and he was more a donkey. He had a big pot belly. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Family, family animal.
2: So my family, because there were no boarding schools in New Guinea, my father made the decision that I needed to go to boarding school in Armidale because I'd get corrupted by a city. Mm -hmm. So he sent me to a town that was full of churches and a university and pubs.
1: Nothing like uh, no those three things there. in corruption. Yeah. No, enough. no. Yeah.
2: And, you know, because I was coming from New Guinea, I'd never seen a sheep or a cow. I'd never seen real milk or butter. Hmm. I'd right. never seen lace-up shoes and stockings and a jumper. Hmm. I'd never been around that many white people.
1: It's scary, huh? It
2: was really scary. And yeah. I had dolphins and crocodiles, and they had cows and sheep and leeches and eels. Right. It was a, and they had all known each other for... A lot of them had known each other for generations. It was, It was... Yeah, and of course I got corrupted.
1: Oh, immediately?
2: No, it
1: took years.
2: <laughs> Not so, like in the city. In the city I would have been corrupted immediately.
1: Oh, uh, right. My yes, hungry
2: yes, yes, yes. jack. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you moved over here uh, uh, when you wanted to uh, study. Is that the main reason you came over?
2: Um, and was that if you, you want to be Bundy kind or about or it, yeah, sure.
1: Like, uh, Rocky or Bundy or something like uh, that? Oh,
2: I went to UQ. Oh, okay. I did com law at UQ.
1: Right, and yeah. then did you go up north for something? Well, you I remember know, you just talking I did, about this. look, I time. did
2: five degrees in two and a half years at UQ. Now,
0: what?
1: What? Yeah. some would say that's a record. It is a record. If you completed them. It's the most
0: Emma thing I've ever heard. And it was pretty amazing <laughs> yeah. that
2: they let me back in when the excuse was, yes, look, I know I got excluded and I'm really sorry, but I couldn't study for my exams because I went out one night and I lost the keys to my apartment, and all my books are in the apartment and I couldn't study. Mm. So I failed the exam.
1: And the dog ate your apartment. <laughs> And did they? Did they let you? They let me
2: back in. <laughs> Get out. And there was just no point because I just, I just amassed a Because you extent. were willing
1: to lose your
0: keys. Well, I'm. I just look. I
2: kept trying different degrees, and it didn't work. And I finally admitted that. So I got a job as a diving instructor. Mm. Happy.
1: Probably yeah. A good training. Very happy.
2: Yeah. yeah, it was a great life.
1: So your horse riding. Where mm. can people do that?
2: So mine was at the R and A. Mm-hmm. But he's had to move. So he's now out at Kenville. And what I really like about Josh's riding, that's Raw's riding equestrian centre, mm-hmm. is that he um, rescues all of his horses. So he's got 20 to 30 horses and they're all rescued. And they're all all—they're just beautiful. And he's got, he's got a really big heart and he looks after them really well. But the McIntyre centre out at Mogul is yes. also really good. They've yep. got the hoist and you have to be strapped in. They've got all of the things for proper... Riding with a disability, which I didn't want to do because I don't want to be disabled.
1: Yeah, your um, so after so you do all these things all the time. What's some uh, spots that you go to that you think I'd love to go there, but accessibility just is not allowing me to get out there? The beach. Beach. Massively. National so parks. Obviously, they can roll out a mat. Yep. Is that what people do?
2: How many beaches have you been to where the mat goes all the way to the ocean?
1: Seen, I don't even think I've, I've ever, think ever seen, I've ever seen a There's beach. one on the
2: Sunshine Coast. It, may, it might be Bribey, not Sunshine Coast.
1: Okay. And Tullabudra. Because it's just a short beach?
2: Well, Tullabudra Creek, they had the mats donated to them, but it's too hard to roll them out.
1: That's something that I've had other people tell me is they don't want to bother no. telling them to go... Into the clubhouse, roll all the mats out just for them to. It's like rolling out a red carpet. Everyone's looking at you and, you know, and then you're stuck in the middle of the beach. People are moving Mm. you out of the way and things like that. Yeah. And then you're stuck in the middle of the beach. Unless
2: you get one of those big marshmallow wheel wheelchairs. But mm. I went with a friend of mine who's really strong. I went to Palm Beach with her with that wheelchair. We booked it at the surf club and off we went. And you've got to get up a pretty steep hill to get onto the beach. And that was a challenge, even though it's concrete. Mm. We get on the beach and she kind of pushed me down to the water's edge okay. But we had to get the lifeguard to come and get us because there was no way she could put the, push the chair up the hill. And you can't push it yourself. You lose your independence. Yeah, what yeah. What scary you've got with a wheelchair because you cannot push the marshmallow chair. No. So you can't go to the beach on your own. No. I can't go to an island for a holiday. I can't go home to New Guinea. I can't... You mm. know, that's that sort of accessibility is a real challenge. And there's a lot of places... That just are not built for wheelchairs because there's not a lot of there's not enough wheelchairs, and I'm happy about that. Mm. But I'd like to be able to roll on a on a city council footpath mm. without worrying about my front caster getting stuck in a crack and catapulting me out.
1: Which happens. Which
2: happens frequently. Regularly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Brisbane, how's it how's it rank? You've been to other cities using your chair? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, look, Brisbane's pretty good, but. Nowhere is nowhere, – nowhere caters enough mm. because there's, no, there's not enough of us.
1: Right. Okay.
2: It's a lot of money to cater for chairs.
1: Yeah. Particularly
2: yeah. when you've got to replace existing infrastructure. Yeah. You know, there's schools that are building new buildings and the new buildings are wheelchair-approved, are mm. wheelchair-accessible, but none mm. of the old buildings are.
1: Yeah, very true. There's, you'll, you'll often find that a lot of people that we work with will live in – Community buildings, yeah. where there is other people who also use wheelchairs.
2: But I don't know of a single school in Brisbane that has got kids in wheelchairs that have got full access. A standard school.
1: I have no idea. I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't know. Our school definitely didn't. Mm. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. That's interesting. I've never even so thought of no that. No.
1: It's
0: good So, point.
2: how do you how do you get back into the in? And it's great that NDIS is around for you to be able to live at home and have services provided for you so you've got a bit more independence to be able to do that and a bit more flexibility but but what's the point of having all of that if if you're a kid and you can't go and embrace a normal life
0: Hmm. you can't
2: go and just have access
0: Hmm. is there anything that you're doing or that you can be doing to try and push that envelope a little bit more and and get things happening or is that just not a thing that's is it is that a thing that I've got the
2: energy for while I'm fighting for a wheelchair that doesn't break? No. Well, that's the question that I'm asking. No, no I'm too busy fighting Correct. for a wheelchair that doesn't break. <laughs> yeah, that's where my energy is at the moment.
1: And you always okay. have a full plate. Yes. Your plate is always full. always full. And if you have full. a little bit of room on that plate, it will be full well, in a yeah. week's time. I've
2: got to try and work out how to go to Sicily at the end
1: of the year. And that's going to be fun.
2: That is going to be fun. Let's if talk we can, about that. If actually we can for handle the cobblestones, yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: What, what's the What's the process? What's your mind frame right now? Thinking about going to Sicily?
2: How um how I'm going to make my dog survive separation anxiety for three weeks?
1: Okay. Let's and, uh, let's not worry about Kimber. Just oh, I've got to worry moment. about Kimber.
2: Someone has to worry about Kimber. <laughs> Someone um, will. Yeah. It's the cobblestones and accessibility because you know Italy, Sicily, none of those places in the world have. Any idea, you know, to go to a disabled bathroom in France, you have to go downstairs.
0: Yep. So have you spoken to somebody yep. else who's been to I'm going
2: Sicily? to in February. I don't know if she's been to Sicily, but she's done The Gorillas in Uganda. Hmm. She's done Machu Picchu. She's done the great, China, the great Wall in China. She's done a lot of things. Kelly's done a bit of writing for the Courier-Mail because she oh, yes. has travelled. So her and her husband um, do a lot of travelling and she's in a wheelchair with MS and she's a bit of a... Yeah, she's a bit of an inspiration. Mm. So we're going to catch up next month and we're going to talk about Sicily.
1: Awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's some good news. Good All to have right. someone to bounce ideas off yeah. of, at least. Yeah. Mm. So, let's mm, let's move the conversation a little bit to exercise physiology. What's that? Well, it's just the greatest service in the world.
2: Yeah. Where I spend 90% of my 2 hours going Yep, there's another arm. Mm. Um, there's another like, there's another arm. Um. <laughs>
1: just to let and everyone know. And how has that benefited <laughs> <into> your life?
2: <laughs> <laughs> not at all.
1: <laughs> Emma counts my arms, likes. What else do you count?
2: Anything that's irrelevant.
1: And I count your swear words.
2: And we're stopped because mm. lately I've been swearing a it's lot because a lot my swears. chair's been a little bit frustrating and I just can't be bothered counting anymore because it makes no difference whether I count your arms or I feel
1: or not. like it had. No, it was getting there. No, I think we'll get somewhere. No,
2: every Monday to be starting again. Because you just we'll, had a weekend of arms and likes.
1: We'll put an arm um, counter on, not <laughs> including that one, on the video. It's not as just well. the arms,
2: it's the ers, it's the likes, it's the, to the be grunting. honest, it's the any fillers, any pointless fillers, which is five, 60% of your conversation. It's How true. would
0: you fill a sentence when you can't think of the word? I don't
2: fill a sentence when I can't <laughs> think of the word because even with a brain injury, I can think of the word.
1: Yeah. Um, That's impressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, exercise physiology. Yes. Where did you find out about uh, it? Oh,
2: it was so good with Alex.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the neurophysics journey, I got a lot of benefit out of that, um, particularly because I I just used one. Yeah, got
0: it. That'll be the first one
1: on the count too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely haven't used any over this uh-huh. side of the table. huh uh-huh.
2: Yeah, neurophysics, good bubble, great workout, team environment, you know, lots of people with different disabilities, so it was pretty inspirational, and I just, I'd had enough, it just wasn't really working anymore, and my son Freeman actually said to me, mum, you really need to talk, because Alex and Freeman had talked a lot about me, because, you know, they're playing rugby together, they're in the club, they see each other all the time, and Alex's partner, Christy, has been in a wheelchair for a bit longer than me, and she owns, owned a facility down the coast called Making Strides, and... Freeman just went, "Mum, you got to talk to Alex." So I did. I went and started there, and you know, Alex um, is a really good.
1: That was an um. There. Yes, I heard that. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm now dialed in, and Thanks. this is what you do to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just repaying on the podcast. Yeah, but
2: I'm really good at ignoring you because I've had so much practice. That's true. Mm. Continue. <laughs> yeah, so Alex has had a lot of experience with spinal, and he he became an EP because his friends were breaking, and he really wanted to do something that helped. Mm. So I worked with him predominantly at making strides and that was six hours a week and I got a lot of benefit out of it. I got a lot of, my legs were starting to really make some progress and I got to the point where I was doing independent sit to stands and that, that, that was pretty amazing. And then I fell out of my wheelchair and broke my hip and took a bit of a backward slide about three years ago. And then, yeah, Alex, COVID hit and making strides went into a bit of a Downward Spiral, and Alex was working with me for a little while at home, but then they moved to San Diego to work at a facility over there. So, Alex, uh, how do I put this? (laughs) He... Handed me over to Harry.
0: What was that like? I was going to ask this anyway. What's it like transitioning, not from Alex to Harry specifically, but from one, um, I suppose, therapist to another? When you feel like you're doing quite good work with Alex in the first yeah. place, is it hard for you to get your head around very. moving to somebody else?
2: And and Who says and, I'm like? And it's very hard to <laughs> expect that you're going to get the same level of service and the same level of results. But it's interesting, particularly with some of the people that have worked during sessions with Harry as you've been bringing staff on board, the different perspective I get on those two hours at the gym from people who are sitting on the sideline who have noticed what I was like the week before or the week before that, they can see things that potentially Harry doesn't mm. even see because yeah, we definitely. spend so much time on the inside, on the on the in- nitty-gritty of the workout that we don't see what's going on in the bigger picture. So it's really... It's actually quite refreshing to have new sets of eyes, despite the fact that I think it's it's important to have that consistency of one person training you because they're the ones who know exactly how your body performs and how it revolts against certain, work, certain workings. My left leg's a mess. So we have to really take that into consideration. And it, it's so variable. Having someone who's consistently working with you is really beneficial, but it's nice to get fresh... Fresh eyes in every now and again, just to see it differently, because you miss it.
0: And on, on why you're saying consistently or consistency, are you just as mean to those people as you are to, to Harry? In the <laughs>
2: Only like, Angus. I'm not. Not Kristen. Okay. She's not.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Seems to be a trend of and, gender. And, yeah. I,
2: and you know, I'm not. Sometimes I'm not mean to Harry. I'm just nice about Brittany. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's funny how those there's a seesaw. Yeah, there somehow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, it's it's not just Harry who thinks it's, he's at the he's below Walter. I I, I agree. And
1: Walter's my beautiful staffy. Yeah, so, and he is above me. Yeah, I would say I'm below him, but he's definitely
2: above. No, me. you're you're below him.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks Emma. Mm. Thanks for uh, mm. thanks for ironing that out. <laughs> so, what are some things that you're working on at the moment? So after you came out of that, you came out of the car. Is it fell car? Fell chair and you broke the hip and everything slid back what type of things you've been working on since then
2: it would be really nice for my left leg to not hurt when I stand up and it hurts a lot it would be really nice for me to be able to confidently and securely put weight on it to be able to take an independent step with my right leg and that's a really that's a really because I've managed to take an independent step with my left leg I'm really I would like this year to be the year of the right.
0: Year of, year of the right. Not the year
2: of the rat, the year of the right.
0: <laughs> is it the year of the rat anyway? Is that, an, is that an animal in the Chinese New Year?
2: Yes, it is, but I'm not sure if this is the year of the rat. So the year of the right.
0: Year of the right. Mm. The year of the right.
2: Yes. And I'm, you know, I've been working on that a little bit with some other more alternate <laughs> treatments...
0: That going to be having an effect. i always more left politically, but year of the right. you of the right. should <laughs> be of the right. Ultra the right. right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because of the
2: weakness of the left, I do tend to swing that way when I'm standing up, but it's the year of the right.
1: Mm. I'm and, going to step and, with the right. And how have, things, how have things that you've worked on helped your life? How do, how do things that you work on in your sessions help you out in your everyday life?
2: It's very hard for somebody able-bodied to understand the significance of being able to pull your pants up after you've been to the bathroom. To be able to stand up and pull Mm. your pants up, people don't understand how liberating that is. To be able to get dressed without lying on the bed, people don't understand how liberating that Mm. is. To Mm. be able to, you know, walk on a Zimmer frame and be upright and not be looking at somebody's crotch or up their nostrils Mm. is incredibly liberating. Yeah. So it's made, you know, I don't stand up in my kitchen and cook yet. But, yeah, I, you know, I have massive pain from spasms and hypotonicity and all sorts of stuff. Being able to stand and put weight through my legs really helps with that pain.
1: Right. And uh, just quickly uh, on pain, Mm. what are, so obviously pain has had a big impact on, your progression, yes. Uh, on your life in general,
2: on my mental state, on mental yes, state, on my sleep.
1: What? Try and explain to people what your pain is.
2: My pain is twenty four seven chronic. In my lower back, my hips, my flexors, my down my left leg, and when clonus really kicks in, in my ankles. Hmm. So up until maybe three years ago. So I've tried serial casting, I've tried Botox, I've tried all sorts of things. I've tried the baclofen pump trial. I've done all sorts of things to try and get my pain managed because I was really lucky if I got a two-hour block of sleep and that is debilitating and yes. it's, it's just not sustainable. None of that really worked. So then I started taking CBD, um, CBC and CBN cannabinoids, supplements, mm-hmm. and that has made a difference. Who got you one huh. of
0: those? How did you find it by yourself? I there?
2: found them yeah. by myself, yeah.
1: Because yeah. it is, it's is—it's super hard. Do doctors really – there's not many doctors out there who – There's a
2: clinic at the Gold Coast, but it's incredibly expensive. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I get mine from a guy who imports them from Denmark mm. because to buy them through government channels is seven times the price. Right. And they're not NDIS approved. But I'm also um, – I've also done microdosing of anaesthetic –
1: Ah Yes, mm. and that's a new, relatively new thing yeah. you're, you're, and you found positive results with that?
2: Absolutely. So the scar tissue from my hip break was rock hard and he couldn't even get a needle into it. Now he can thread the needle in it and mm. it doesn't hurt anywhere near as much. And every Jeez. time I did it, the gap in between it was longer because it just lasted more because the body learns how to map that pathway.
1: So it really sounds like when it comes to pain, just keep looking.
2: Yeah, keep trying till you find something that works. Yep. And mine doesn't work 24-7. I can't do the CBD stuff during the day mm. um, because it just doesn't seem to work well. Yes, I know that was number three.
1: <laughs> we'll have a uh, proper myth, edit at yeah. the end, we'll see. <laughs> we'll start adding them in. We're going to take snippets of your voice. Um, yeah. um, um, um. You better speak fast. Well, we're running out of time. Um Damn it. There I go. <laughs> there I go. Uh, we need. We actually need a photo because there's a photo that we show everybody at the end of the podcast. And we're gonna, I did not sign for that. And <laughs> and we'll have to edit it.
2: Yes, you will. Hair uh, and makeup. Edit all
1: this stuff You'll out. You'll have to
2: hair and makeup edit the hell out of
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. I think all of it's been pretty good. Uh, There might be a few little ums to get rid of of mine, but apart from that... You're going about this very
0: slowly. Excuse me.
1: I have no idea where it is. My component of it has been
2: been exceptional. You might be okay or kind of pretty good, but I was exceptional. Tom?
1: (laughs) 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 Kind of took my side on that. I like that. (laughs) That's a first. (laughs) Okay. So... We have a photo that we like to show everyone at the end of the podcast and pretty much what we're just trying to get is your initial reactions of this photo and tell us how it makes you feel.
2: That is the epitome of the intelligence <laughs> of you two. You couldn't have more than one dream. You don't have the capacity.
1: <laughs> thank you, Emma. On that, let's, let's wrap it up there. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so Has much it? for coming down. we do this? If it's been
2: a pleasure, we need to do it again. Uh, that
1: was the
0: best answer. That was so good. Yeah.
1: But uh, thank you so much. And I will be seeing you in the future. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bee Stories, the unaware podcast by Bee Physiology.
0: Don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials. Check out the podcast and our other episodes. And if you like it, leave a comment, let us know how much you love it.